your world of rugby. This is the official Rugby 365 podcast. Welcome to this week's edition of Rugby 365 podcast. I'm your host, Jan de Kuning, and all the way from Paul. Lofi Yelof. Eugene, semi-final time. Uh, some interesting developments, we'll s- discuss that first, but you were o- so almost correct with your upset. Was it not for some moment of madness and an elbow in, in the face and France would have won? Absolutely, and I think as we also predicted, uh, the winners will be the winners, but uh, I really thought with the chaos that they had in the France team that they, had a, they were in for a chance, and they were, and as you rightfully mentioned there, you know, stupidity, and that cost them. You know, uh, sometimes I just think players, they lose it. Uh, they lose perspective of reality because there are there's about eight to ten cameras on the field onto the game. So you cannot get away with stuff like that. You know, ego plays a role and that guy's going to remember that for the rest of his life. You know, Jan, because still at that moment, France had Wales' number 100%. They were all over them and I would, I'm pretty sure they would have won that, that match. But take your ass off for Wales not quitting. And eventually, I do think it's the four best teams that are in the playoffs. Eugene, as the listeners may have seen, those of us that follow the website, uh, Vamayena has subsequently retired from international rugby. I know it's an emotional decision. He feels bad about it. I mean, we've seen players. I mean, we, we, we know what Johan Leroux did. And occasionally, players just lose the plot and they pay a very dear price. And, and this guy is literally just... Uh, quit international rugby he's such a young guy 24 and he's quit rugby and I hope somebody gets him to a good sports psychologist uh, that can sit him down and, and actually speak him through it because he's, he's such a talented player such a great player I mean we've seen him in test matches before we've seen him in the, in the top 14 in France and in Europe so yeah I, I mean it's it's sad to see the guy quit the game just because of one incident uh, that that should not define his, his rugby career Yes, Jan, I can, I can actually fully understand these emotions. You must understand one thing with social media and the media in France, they hammering him. He will be victimized a lot. He will be blamed for their loss. You cannot blame him for the loss. France, in general, were not that good at the World Cup. Uh, he's been punished enough. And I think it's an emotional, irrational decision he made very quickly. And I'm, I'm pretty sure that he will come to his senses and... It will blow over. It'll always stay with him. But you're right, he's too young to quit now. And uh, the storm is still there. He's still in the storm. But for the once he's out of the storm, I'm sure sanity will prevail. Besides him being a great player, it's also his income. So maybe in a few months, we'll just hear that he's going to give it another go. Eugene, talking of moments of madness, uh, and referee... Jakub Paper had his own moment. I wouldn't call it moment of madness, but uh, he did something which he thought was fun. And in a moment of fun, he posed with a bunch of Welsh fans who were having a good time, having a few beers. And Jakub posed with them and playfully put his elbow into the face of one of the Welsh fans. Uh, and they all laughed. And you could clearly see it's all in jest. And unfortunately, people saw that as insensitive. And Jakub has, by World Rugby, which the ways of World Rugby sometimes confuses me no end but they decided that they're gonna ax Yaku from this week's appointment so Yaku wasn't appointed this week we, we'll discuss the referees now but I just want to read uh, World Rugby's statement World Rugby can confirm that the match official selection committee did not consider Yaku Paper for selection this weekend Paper recognizes that a picture of him with Wales fans which appeared on social media after the Wales versus France quarterfinal was inappropriate and he has apologized now I mean, we've seen some serious bad on-field mistakes. 
And when the referee has a bit of fun, he's still a human being. He's still allowed to have a bit of fun. And he's having a bit of fun with fans, and he gets axed. And, and we have this week, who will referee this Africa-Wales match, Jerome Garces, a, a referee that is a shocker by any standards. I know you don't like taking on referees. That's why I'm raising the point and, and why I'm airing this point. Is Jerome Garces is most likely in line to referee the final, other than Nigel Owens from Wales who's probably going to get it in any event. But to seriously suggest that Jerome Garces is one of the two top referees in the world is a joke. And and to punish Yaku for having a bit of fun with fans and then let a guy like Jerome Garces, who has no clue about some of the laws of the game, to suggest he's the second best in the game is, is laughable. Yeah, Sean, if we get back to Yaku's uh, incident, I'm pretty sure they had a lot of fun. And I won't be surprised if the Welsh supporters who look as if they were a bit under the weather at that stage already didn't ask him to pose like that and it could have been an impulsive movie did. Unfortunately, it is insensitive and uh, I think he should have thought more on his feet at that moment because as we said earlier as well, social media is a killer. It's a coach killer, is a player killer and uh, in this case, a referee's killer. And the world of rugby took a dim view of that. Now, we that know Yaku, now he's a... He's a character, he's got he's got a sense of humor, and I'm pretty sure he meant no harm. But unfortunately, it has harmed him, and it's it's harmed the, the whole association with the referees and so on. And I, I think this might have an implication in the sense that he will not be involved in the World Cup even more. I hope I'm wrong. So, you know, you need to be very, very sensitive, especially when you're in an authorized position like he is, where he's got authority, and where he made a a harsh good decision uh, that had an influence on the on the game's result. So it's, you cannot take that too light heartedly. But so it is uh, about the referees. I don't think uh, teams should focus too much on referees. And I agree with you about your standing about his position. But if we're going to sit now and say, oh, no, we got got this and that, and we focus on him, we're going to focus on the wrong thing. I think we need to focus on our team on our game plan, on our execution, what we're going to do. And it just makes sure that we play above his bad decision-making and inconsistency up until this stage. And I think after this World Cup, it's also maybe time for the IRB to go look at the at their structure, how they appoint referees, and the criteria of the first 10, because I think there are better referees in the world than some that are, that are there. And I'm not going to name names because everybody is sensitive about it, but um, it is a problem. I'm pretty sure in my mind that Nigel Owens is the best on the panel then that he'll ref the final. Well, Eugene, for the record, for those who, who live in La La Land or Cuckoo Land and hasn't seen it, Nigel Owens will be referee for the... England versus New Zealand game and Jerome Garces is referee for Wales versus Africa. Eugene, let's look at the two semi-finals and we've got lots of coaching inserts. We'll also have our friend uh, Grant Powell chat to us about the Wales-South Africa game. Uh, he's been nagging me all week so we'll give him a chance to, to have his say about Wales. But let's first look at England-New Zealand. Eugene, what a game. I mean, it's going to be brutal because England likes that Africa likes to play a power game with their forwards and then play off their halfbacks. Jan, I cannot use a better word than you've just said. It's going to be brutal. It's going to be physical. It's going to be tight. Uh, from a, a strategic and tactical point of view, England will want to slow the game down, hold on to the ball, play their traditional boring rugby that they win with, 
to not give the New Zealanders any space or time to get them into space and give them quick balls. So that is going to be a tough encounter. I actually think, discussing that, and I have to mention now that I think that match, whoever's going to come out of that is going to be pretty bruised when they go into the final. And that might be to our advantage should we make the final or, or Wales should they make it? Because that is like war on itself. I think it is going to be the brutal physical match of the weekend. Not a high-scoring match and not a match where there's going to be a lot of mistakes. It's going to be very, very, very clinically correctly played. Eugene, we've already seen the coaches playing mind games. Eddie Jones talking about possible spying at his training sessions. We see Steve Hansen in the, with his usual chirps. I think it's going to be an interesting week in the build-up, but I think it's worth listening to the coaches. So I think let's start with, with Eddie Jones, the, the, the England coach first, and hear what Eddie Jones has to say on where England is going into the semi-finals and how he sees the, the semi-final. Well, we just want to keep challenging ourselves. You know, we haven't played at our best yet. The challenge for us is how we get better next week. You know, how do we get better individually as a player? How do we get better as a, a team? And... Yeah, you know, these World Cups, that's what it's about. You go from the quarterfinal to the semifinal, and the semifinals are always probably the toughest game of the tournament because you've got two teams desperate to make the final. Everyone empties the tank, and you've got to find some way in the week's preparation to get a little bit better. Um, so our challenge this week as a, a playing squad and a coaching squad is how we find ways to get better. Before we decided we'll have a bit of a rest early in the week and then start training a little bit later. It's a do-or-die game today. Everyone understands that, and you've, the best samurais were always the guys who, who had a plan, but they could adapt. They had a calm head, but they were full of aggression, and I thought we were pretty much like that today. But again, the challenge is how we get better, because there's always a better samurai around the corner, and so we've got to continue to get better. You know, Jan, every time if Eddie Jones speaks, I can just laugh. He, he's so great with the media and uh, sometimes he borders on arrogance and sometimes he's just funny. And I think he's just funny now. But I think what was good is in a previous press release where they asked him about dropping forward, he, he said to the guys, listen, mate, you need to catch on the, with modern rugby. You're still reporting like you did 30 years ago. He's got a new role. So I, I just enjoy listening to him. And, you know, playing the mind games is also part of those strategies and so on. But it's also part of the fun part of it. And I think uh, from a from a coach's point of view, sometimes you put it out there and you see who runs with it and sometimes they run with it, sometimes not. But I'm, I'm pretty sure that both coaches are aware that they can talk what they want to before the time. They can do their press releases and give information out. But it's all about what's going to happen Saturday, 11 o'clock, between those four lines. So then talking means nothing. Gene, indeed. The, the one thing as we go to the New Zealand side of the, the semi-final, we all speak about New Zealand as this great attacking team. And as uh, I know you can play around with stats and statistics as much as you like, but the one thing is that New Zealand kicks as much as most teams, maybe a little less, but they kick more accurate. And the, the other thing about them is their defence is also very good. I know we speak about England's defence and South Africa's defence and Wales. The, the, two, the four teams in the, in the semi-finals, by the way, who are rated New Zealand 1, England 2, Wales 3, South Africa 4. Those are the top four ranked teams in the world at the moment. They all four have outstanding defence. So I think maybe maybe it's good to listen what New Zealanders, New Zealand All Black coach Steve Hansen has to say about the importance of defence in, in the World Cup and playing England in the semi-final on Saturday. Oh, it's, it's massive, isn't it? You know, particularly in, in tournaments like this, defence is, is 50% of the game and, and probably 90% of when you take into the psychological value of of it, so you know, 
as Rito said earlier, we kept our discipline. Uh, when they carried, we, we got up and made our tackles and they were punishing tackles and uh, forced some errors. When you're doing that, teams start to second-guess it a little bit and um, psychologically you get an edge. So, you know, it's, it's been uh, very, very good all tournament and Scott, you know, he's filling some big shoes and smithies, but I think uh, he needs all the pats on the back for what we're doing. He's, he's um, very clear what he wants. Uh, he's driving it well. And, you know, the boys are responding very, very well, and you can see that on the park. You know, I'm looking forward to playing them too, now that we've earned the right to. They'll be a massive challenge. Yes, yeah, Steve Hansen is a, he's old and he understands how to use the media the week before the time. But he's, I just want to come back to one remark you made about the best attacking team. There's no doubt in my mind that New Zealand is the best attacking team in the world of rugby. However, you can only attack. First of all, if you have the ball, and secondly, if you have space that you can play into, so which means you need to have quick ball, you need to create a mismatch, and then you can attack, and they are even more so very good out of broken play, turnover ball. And about their kicking, Jan, you're right, they actually they kick just as much as we do. However, their attacking kicks are much more secure and purposeful, which means they'll those wiper kicks they kick across, which is sometimes doing their own half to their wings, that's pre-planned. Their outside centre putting the grubber behind the wing, that's pre-planned. Their box kicks, which is not as much as ours, is accurate. But the big thing about the accuracy is the kick chases and the contesting in the air. And I think that's the difference between the teams. Getting to defence, that's what it's about. I mean, as a cliche, as we always say, defence wins finals. It is so, but you also need to attack to get points. But um, the four teams uh, that are there have all adapted and adopted a bit of a rush defence. They close your space down, they try and manipulate you so that you can't get momentum, can't get your plays going. They have a sort of outs, uh, inside out where they will shadow you out to the sideline and match you up in numbers. So I think um, the big thing, if you talk about defence and playoffs, it's about first line tackling. You have to get the guy on the deck, you have to get him down and get back on your feet and be available. And you cannot miss tackles and you will see that teams that miss a lot of tackles are pretty much the teams that lose the games. Eugene, the one thing I want to say is that I know we spoke a lot and, and, and I just received another joke about Fuff and his kicking and, and you know and everybody's got and, and people talk about the Allen not passing and you get these players get a reputation in last week's game against Japan Fuff was the man of the match simply not, not just because of his kicking his kicking was far more accurate he had one or two wobbly ones but by and large his kicking was much improved what Fuff does which is exactly the defense he gets into so much work. He gets through so much work on defence. His timing on defence is absolutely sublime. And, and I think that's the key. You know, is you've got to have uh, that one guy that keeps rushing and you know he's going to rush. If the rest of the guys keep their line, keep the structure right, there's one guy that keeps rushing and putting pressure on the opposition. It doesn't leave too many holes. And, and I think that's the problem with most other teams. They don't have just one guy that rushes or just a wing that rushes and the rest keep their structure. They go out of structure and, and different people rush at different times and that's where they leave the holes. Yeah, yeah, and I guess the couch potatoes will always have something to say already when he puts his foot out to do the kick and eventually on social media it's all about that. Everybody is joking. Should it happen that we, we win the World Cup, Faf will be a hero. If I can just say I agree with you that you should not go look at that phase of his, his game. Look at his game in totally. Holistically, he's a great scrum off. He's a character and he's got an influence on the defence. He plays a big role uh, rushing up just outside the first channel in defence, closing them down. If there's one guy that I must withdraw, what I said previously a few months ago, I thought Damon Dialena was excellent in this game. 
and he deserved very much to get close to a, a man of the match game. He was offloading, he was putting in tackles, he was stealing balls. I, I think he had a great game. Yeah, Damien in general, his, his form throughout the tournament has improved significantly and we've seen much of what we saw of the, uh, I don't want to say old Damien Allender, but when Damien first burst onto the scene and he was this vibrant young player, I think Damien is getting closer to that and, and it's significant because uh, his game at inside centre is, is key to what the Springboks do, both on defence and attack. You know, when he carries up the ball, he needs to tie up more than just one defender and he needs to make sure that uh, there's gaps outside for the other guys. And when they don't come to on him and he can bump off a player or knock over a defender, good for him. Eugene, perhaps now is a good time that we move on to the, the Wales game and perhaps we, we chat first to our Wales friend Grant Powell and uh, hear what he has to say about Wales and exactly, uh, I'm sure he'll have lots to say about Wales and, and exactly how they're going to beat the Springboks. Grant, thank you very, very much for joining us on the podcast. And yeah, uh, what a pleasure. South Africa against Wales, Wales, South Africa, whichever way you want it around. Uh, you must be delighted to see your team uh, scrape through into the semi final. Well, thank you for the invite. After our predictions on the quarterfinals came true over the weekend, I, I had a suspicion you might be wanting to talk to me today. Four very good matches, very, very different matches. But uh, if we avoid the other controversy over perhaps the three teams that had, a, had a missed the last weekend of the uh, pool stages, all probably outperforming expectations. I'm sure that will come back to be discussed at some point. But just look at the matches. They're four very good matches. And uh, as we predicted, a well versus South Africa and New Zealand versus England semi-final weekend coming up. Well, Grant, uh, as you know, Eugene is a, a very big French fan and, and he predicted a, a France upset. Unfortunately, his prediction was put down the tubes uh, by uh, Elbow, which is not just cost one Frenchman or an entire French team their place in the playoffs has also cost Yaku Paper his place in the playoffs uh, that said uh, we're looking forward to a wonderful South Africa Wales game Wales having won four of their last five last six games against South Africa uh, you know they've had the wood over South Africa in the last couple of years they must be confident uh, I know it's on a neutral ground it's not in Cardiff but Wales must be confident that they they can get another one over the box. It'll be a very close one to decide. I, I'm far less comfortable with my predictions for this weekend than I was for last weekend. I have some sympathy with Loffy, um, because obviously I think most people would accept that Gatlin was correct when he said the better team lost um, at the weekend when Wales played France. And there was a certain deja vu around it that, uh, you know, the better team lost by one point after being reduced uh, to 14 men. And that brought back some painful Welsh memories of 2011. And it was good to be on the other side this time. Uh, that was a ridiculously French way to lose a match. You know, simple kicks miss. An absolutely mindless red card of Vahamahina, which probably decided the game, especially when I think the mall followed a kick to the corner where France didn't take three points and then losing, blowing a big lead. But Wales have got through, so we've got a semi-final to look forward to. Um, South Africa had a good win over Japan. I think that, that early try, that soft try, Japan conceded to, that Mapimpi ran through proved decisive because I think Japan really needed to get ahead of the Springboks in the first half. And though they hung in to 5-3 at half-time, the second half the Springboks just demolished them and overpowered them. Um, but that's where we are into the semi-finals and a difficult one. My initial gut instinct is that it'll be a New Zealand South Africa final, but uh, there's more there for um, 
Wales fans, and perhaps when you think about it, there's more for Wales fans to be confident with um, than perhaps on initial inspection. Do you want me to run through my thinking on that? Uh, yeah, I was about to ask you, uh, Grant, your forward pack. I know we've we've seen the Springboks uh, forward pack grow in stature this this tournament. Wales is this, is this forward pack really their best? Uh, do you think they're up to the Bok monsters in in, in a semi final? Well, I think mean, there's, there's, there's a big question over the Welsh front five. I've been querying that for a while. If you just rewind a little, when you think that sort of, you know, when Wales were coming together in 2017, effectively, for this World Cup after Gatland, because he had his sabbatical with New Zealand, you look at Gatland and you probably would have been thinking the spine of his in the back row at half-back, you'd have had Warburton at one flanker, Faratau at number eight, and Webb um, at scrum half. But obviously, due to early retirement and ineligibility and injuries, lost those three players. It's probably first choice outside half Anscombe got injured this year. One Lock Hill got injured. And he's also had Ellis Jenkins, who was man of the match against the Springboks in Cardiff last November. He's obviously been injured since that match. So there's been big changes there. To reshuffle his pack, probably left his best two scrummaging props, Evans and Lee, behind because he wanted to put a more mobile team out. For the, for the earlier stages there's a big question mark over where, whether Wales will be able to contain that uh, that Springbok front five or whether you know we'll get driven into the corners and battered into submission well Grant uh, I think uh, now perhaps is a good time for predictions for your semi-finals maybe maybe you can tell me first of all who your two winners are and exactly why they they will win I think, and starting with a big one, as far as we're concerned, Wales v South Africa. I think my head very narrowly pointing towards South Africa. I suspect they will be able to slow the game down and slowly overpower Wales. The Welsh team under Edwards and Gatland is very much defence plus. From that perspective, this tournament, the attack, the plus has been very poor so far. And um, also looking at the uh, the defence, there has been some weaknesses, though. Again, South Africa, not a great offloading side. The teams of fast offload have been causing us problems. In addition to that, Erasmus, obviously, from his time in Munster, knows a lot of the Welsh players. So he'll have a good idea. You know, it, it's the reason my prediction is so narrow is because obviously there's a Gatland factor at plays at the end of his time with Wales. If you discount the World Cup warm-up matches where Wales have won 19 on the trot, so even though they're playing badly, they're winning. So that helps mentally. And the Springboks, because of wins in recent seasons, not so much in Washington, which was a funny old game, um, but wins in Cardiff, um, were kind of buried the mental hoodoos there. Looking at the Japan versus South Africa game, South Africa looked vulnerable under the, um, the high ball in the back three. And the Welsh aerial game is very good. Jerome Garces is the referee, and his refereeing interpretations, as we saw from the 2017 Wales South Africa match in Cardiff, probably lean more towards the Welsh style of play. And despite Wales playing poorly, there's probably a big game in this team because you know they won't want to leave the, the World Cup with only a good 40 minutes against Australia in the pool stages so I think South Africa marginally bridged very very close and it wouldn't surprise me if Wales 
managed to somehow get another win. Looking at the other semi-final, New Zealand versus England, my head is saying that there's just a little bit too much quality against New Zealand behind. They'll be able to get themselves over the line despite the English forward power. But again, even on that one, this England team won't have a mental hang-up with New Zealand. They may have only won one over New Zealand since that great England World Cup and win in 2003. But these England players won't have a mental hang-up. Many of them were at the core in the Lions series in 2017. And, you know, to be frank, although New Zealand won by one point um, in Twickenham last year, that was a match that England should have won. So I'll predict South Africa versus New Zealand final. I'm sure you guys down in Cape Town will love that. But both matches are, are close to knife edge, and I wouldn't be surprised if uh, um, any other result happened. And semi-finals are where often the best matches where teams are going on the attack to win. Whereas in the final, um, the final weekend, you've got the, broad, the bronze medal match where nobody wants to be there. And the finals often clam up because um, people are afraid of a losing. It becomes defensive. So as I said, your semi-finals are often the best matches of a World Cup. And I hope we have two crackers. Well, Grant, uh, there we have it. Uh, New Zealand, South Africa, we hope that comes true. We hope your prediction comes true. And I'm sure Lofi will agree. Thank you very, very much again for joining us. Thank you for the invite. I'm sure if uh, you, that my prediction goes wrong, I'm sure you'll be shouted for Wales against uh, New Zealand or England in, in the final, gents. Thank you very much, Grant. Yes, Alan, it's great to hear Garain speaking. And uh, he's such a proud Welshman. And I must just correct you. I said that Although Wales is the better side, with the chaos in France, I thought uh, they could cause the upset. But you know what I like about Gatland? Uh, and that's, again, maybe it's a thing of New Zealand coaches. Uh, he said there was no doubt in his mind that the best team didn't win. But uh, good luck to Wales and South Africa this weekend, New Zealand and England. I think this is just going to be, and I agree with him, this is going to be the weekend of the World Cup. Isn't perhaps now is a good time to listen to what Rasia Erasmus said on where his team is at and the tactics they're using, especially defence. You know, we spoke about defence earlier. Rasia had some interesting things to say about defence. We've conceded three tries now in World Cup, and I think two of those were against New Zealand in four minutes. The other one was against Canada. I think we haven't had long spells where we were under pressure. We were actually folded uh, in terms of our defence. Although I know there's a lot of people that, that see a few um, holes in our defence. I think we trust our system really well and, and we know defence is a pretty important thing as part of a World Cup if you want to try and win, win a World Cup. But we were certainly tested today, although we only conceded three points. And in the first game against Japan, you know, to, to concede only ten points against Japan, who, who, who's really got a good track record in this World Cup and previous World Cup in the Pacific Nations Cup where they really scored a lot of tries. We've only conceded 10 points in one try and a penalty versus Japan. So we've got good confidence in our defence system, which is good. And we were really on a lot of pressure today against them. So yes, I think in that regard it's good. And especially with the pace of the game. The game was really played at a high pace, so that was good for a lot of players to get used to that. And then I guess Wales had the same kind of experience as well. So, yeah, I, I think next week we'll make for a, a really great matchup. I've coached twice against them with the Springboks. One was in Washington when we really played a, a mixed bag of a team because we had to juggle two squads before we played England. And then the other one was uh, the out of competition, uh, or out of competition window where we couldn't actually select overseas based players. So, I've never coached against a Welsh team where we could select all our first choice players, which is available. So, this will probably be the first time. 
but uh, they've got a great coaching staff and the thing about them, I think they've created a squad. If you look at them, I think when they toured Argentina last year or the year before that, where they, they took the, almost the B side uh, or second string side over there and they, they gave them a whitewash there. So I think they've created uh, a depth in every single position and yeah, I think they've got good confidence, great team spirit and we know how, how great the rugby culture is in, in well. So no, a big challenge for us. Well, there's a lot said about defence today and uh, uh, Russ is right. Our defence is solid and structured. And I think one should not forget to give a lot of credit to Jack Ninaber, who's the defence coach. I think he plays a great role. He's also taken on that role very well in adapting our defence and changing it. So defence, defence, defence. But still, you have to attack to win. But uh, I think we're one of the best defence teams in the World Cup. Eugene, the, before we go to Warren Gatlin, the Wales coach, and, and listen what he had to say about the game, I think the one thing I want to point out, and, and last week against the Japan game, some people weren't watching and, and uh, watched up a couple of people, and I said to him, it's 5-3 half-time, and said, oh, yes, he went trouble. So no, 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 no. Uh, watch the second half. And, and good teams, you, you'll know this as a, as a coach, good teams, it might seem close, and New Zealand often do that. It might seem close at halftime, but you can see and you can get a sense that a team is in control. And we were in control at first half. We were slowly grinding them down. That slow poison came back to haunt the Japanese in the second half. You know, we it was 5-3, then it was 8-3, then it was 11-3, then it was 14-3. And as those penalties added up and the forwards kept grinding the Japanese back into paradise, the, suddenly the, the opportunities opened up for the backs. Two tries later, the game was done and dusted. And that's how it happens. You know, the final score says 26-3. It looks easy. The, the fact was a lot of hard work was done in the first half and that first 10, 15 minutes in the second half, adding penalties, the forwards, not just on defence, but in the set pieces, the malls, the scrums. Eventually it starts telling. That last 20 minutes, the opposition legs go and your opportunity to score tries get there. Yes, Jan, I must have us compliment the box on their decision-making. It was so great to see them take the three points, take the three points. And I'm sure because previously we would go to the side and try and maul and get over. They started playing the pattern and the game that we need to play in the semi-final and the final to get your points, to build the innings. So a lot of credit for that decision-making. And, and you know, the, oh, I've, I've said it a lot, chipping away at the wall. You know, you keep on chipping, chipping, and that's when you talk about you're just waiting for the damn wall to break. And I think that's what you also referred to uh, with New Zealand and South Africa. Chip away, chip away, and when that wall breaks, it really breaks. So, yeah, uh, I think there's more in that match than and the scoreboard says. And, and although it was not pretty rugby in the first half, a lot of character and a lot of excitement showing in the second half. Eugene, now's a good time to go to Warren Gatlin and listen what he had to say uh, on facing the Springboks in the semi-final and the experience of the 2011 and 2015 World Cups where in 2011, as we know, they famously lost in the semi-final because of a red card and 2015 where they also didn't have success. So let's listen to what Warren Gatlin had to say. The players that were involved in 2011, obviously, will and coaches as well. So, you know, that, that does have a, an advantage in terms of that preparation and, and remembering about that. Uh, but we didn't play as well as we could have tonight. You know, we need to go away and, and have a look at some, some critical areas of our game, just the way that teams have been quite effective in playing against us and getting a bit of success. You know, like I said they were very direct today and then they got some, some gain line and put us under some, some pressure. So we need to address that. But we're excited about being where we are now. So you're in a semi-final of the World Cup and Alan Wynn's been saying, you know, it's 240 minutes to do something for the rest of your life. So we're down to 160 now. So if you can't get excited about that, then, you know, nothing 
nothing will excite you. So uh, we've got some work to do this week in terms of the way you know we train and, and that. But you know today, like it was about not giving up. I thought our bench was outstanding, and they gave us impact. We've had. Uh, very good run against France. I think that's eight of the last nine games we've won against them. We've had a very good record against South Africa as well. We'll relish that, that opportunity because as young men, they've got something to do to create something really special. Gatlin doesn't give away a lot. However, he's, uh, he talks about history and history sometimes can be used as a motivator. But also, as we've seen on, on uh, in the media and social media, you know, they talk about uh, the six wins they had against Africa. This is a different ball game. So all that history can just be put aside and it's all what happens again on Saturday. But um, I'm sure some of the players that, that was there previously that felt what it, what it feels like uh, when you get a red card and you lose a semi-final because of 14 players, I'm sure that hurt them a lot. And that will be a huge motivator in their side, Jan. Well, Eugene, now is a good time to go to Matt Proudford, the Springbok forward coach, and hear what he has to say about Saturday's game and the preparation of the Springboks. We handle every pack uh, with with utmost respect, and I mean they are ranked uh, third in the world, Six Nations champions. You know they've got a fantastic defensive outfit, so they're a very formidable pack. They're one of the most experienced ca- test captains going around. Um, he's been there a long time. That pack has been the heartbeat of, of a lot of the British Lions players that went to, to New Zealand. So um, to go there and win a test match, you've got to, you've got to be a very formidable side. We know we, we handle every challenge. As I said to you last week, we handle every challenge. Uh, what comes ahead, we look at the, what the opposition give us and, um, and we work from there. We've had a good session this morning with a pack of forwards and uh, we're looking forward to this challenge. You know, we look at uh, replacements, what specific roles we, we want for them. You know, um, th- that has become a really important aspect of, of modern-day rugby. So, um, you know, we'll, we'll look at the challenges Wales pose up front. Well, not just up front, we'll pose the pack as the reasoning for what we've done in the past about the 6 years being various various reasons, different reasons for different opposition. You know, but we will have a look at that before we pick our side. We have to look at what injuries we have, how how the guys are holding up physically, and then we'll make a we'll make a call on when we finalise the plan for the weekend. We'll make a call accordingly. Is in well, there we have it. That's uh, all in a nutshell. It's a jam packed podcast. Lots to say about from the coaches, from our friend Jaren Powell. So I think all that's left is to wait for Saturday and Sunday and enjoy the rugby. Absolutely, Jan. I'm counting down the hours and then it will become minutes. And then Sunday evening, South African time, we will know exactly who's playing who in the final. Well, from myself, Jan de Koenig. And Lofi Yelof. Enjoy your week. Enjoy the rugby. Enjoy the semi finals and chat next week. Cheers. 